0: had some very difficult conversations around trying to sort out how to be real, not just like, oh, it's all good, this is super cool, you know, like, no, like, I feel like there were some things that were really difficult for me to process. And now that we're reconnecting, I want to be able to talk about them.
1: Who am I? Who
0: am I? Who 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 am
1: I? This is Who Am I, Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and on today's show is Isaac, who called me from Hawaii. In Isaac's story, you'll hear about him as a boy who was loved but struggled to connect with his adoptive parents in certain ways. Having left the island, a chance musical gig put him back on Hawaiian soil and in position to launch his search. In reunion, he reconnected with both of his parents at the same time, elected to move back to Hawaii to reconnect with the land and his people, and even found that learning more about the island made him closer to his adoptive family too. This is Isaac's Journey. Save. My mother's
0: sweet embrace. Nine months of the demons kept at bay. Loved and safe, just an innocent in the womb. The miracle of
1: life that is you. Isaac was adopted on the Big Island of Hawaii as an infant. He said, he was lucky to be adopted into a family who was from Hawaii, even though they're actually culturally different. Isaac's adoptive mother is Japanese, his adoptive father is half Filipino, half German, and Isaac is Filipino-Hawaiian, but they all come from Hawaii. He said that blend of family members means he resembles his adoptive family.
0: I sort of knew for a long time. I remember I was just sitting in the kitchen. I was really young, maybe even like, early ele- like elementary school or maybe early middle school and just talking with my dad and I was like, "Hey dad, am I adopted?" He's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Okay, cool." I just like <laughs> wanted to make sure. Thanks. Glad we're clear. Yeah, I I've got it. <laughs> you know, it was that I don't think it ever really felt like a big thing until there started to be different things that would come up for me later on like, you know, like around middle school and high school, I started having a lot more trouble at school and acting out in different ways. And uh, yeah, and I think that's when I started to feel like there was some sort of like something was kind of missing. Interesting. You know, like yeah. there's some part of myself was being unanswered or unfulfilled and my parents were really struggling to connect with me and we were having really difficult communication problems. But That, again, that was kind of like later, you know, like I said, like my young, my younger life is just as far as how it felt as an adoptee. It felt really normal and not really like anything that was all that special or different.
1: Isaac's family lived on Oahu near Honolulu until he was six. Then the family moved to Washington State in 1993. He said he struggled in school while his brother and sister, who were older and biological to his parents, were doing well in their studies. He said he felt like he wasn't accomplishing what he was supposed to, so he would retaliate because he wasn't living up to the
0: standards. I got really into music, and, you know, I found a lot of solace in that. I would have, you know, friends to go play music with, and a lot of groups and bands and orchestras that I would go and play in, so that kind of kept me from going too far off the rails, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't get super lost, but I definitely ended up in some groups of friends that I kind of just, like, didn't really know why I was, you know, like, drinking when I was really young, you know, started smoking weed when I was, like, really young, and just sort of self-destructive in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. but, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of how it manifested, and it's strange, I was talking with uh, someone who worked on my reunification process, and she was, like, kind of looking at all those behaviors and how I was describing them, and she's like, you know, that could be, like, potentially very linked to this whole like adoption process, which I had, I'm still kind of learning more about and like the residual effects of that sort of biological separation and those kinds of things, you know?
1: Yeah. That's, it's fascinating when you think back to the linkage of an individual to their biological family and then Mm -hmm. try to make the leap to how they perform or underperform Mm -hmm. or act out or, you know feel like they don't fit in can be really fascinating especially because it seems to come as a residual effect so far down the line it doesn't feel like it's immediately adjacent right like if you punch me i get hurt right now but if you separate me from my biological parents it might not impact me for a year or 20 years you know
0: that is so interesting man that's exactly so i you know I'm skipping ahead like a little bit, but the reunification process has has made me look at my past in such a different way. Like I re-question all of those negative thoughts that I had about myself because now I might actually have a root cause of where some of those things came from. Yeah. And what was possibly going on with me psychologically and, you know, trying to figure out like, why do I feel different than my siblings? As far as like what I can and can't do, or why do I have desires to act a certain way? Or my body feels like it wants to do certain things that they're not into doing. You know, it's like, why am I having such a hard time communicating and connecting? And I was like learning about, you know, that natural ability to connect and communicate with your birth parents is because you're so biologically linked and like, especially with birth mother, right? It's like, that's the voice you hear. That's the, food you eat that's all the things you consume as a baby in in the womb and then as soon as you're out it's just completely severed i think that's like a far more traumatic experience than i ever really have thought about yeah for both people yeah you know for both parties yeah you're right
1: as you say it for both parties um i think of two books that i think you've probably heard of that are Mm. incredibly enlightening one of which is the primal wound which talks about the very thing you're speaking of the separation of mother Mm. and child at birth is incredibly detrimental you know in in some of the facets that you've talked about that connection that you've had that voice that you've heard from inside and all that other stuff and then Mm -hmm. the other book that i think of that was incredibly powerful for me in terms of empathizing with any any mother, honestly, not just birth mothers, but just any mother is uh, okay. the girls who went away. And the fact that, you know, oh. it talks about these women who were oftentimes in situations that felt so out of control. They had no power. They were sent off to far off, far off places by themselves to give birth to a child and asked to never speak of it again. In many instances, like you've you've an act created this child. You've carried this yeah. child for nine months of an entire year, and then you've gone yep. through the physical process of bringing this child into the world, and then suddenly they're gone and that's it yeah i mean <laughs> I, I don't yeah it's it's really almost unfathomable that that it could go as as it does in adoption, but that that's often the case. I was curious about Isaac's relationship with his older siblings biological children of his adoptive parents he said it was a little challenging because he mostly got along with his much older sister with whom he shared an interest in music but he was frequently contested by his older brother
0: it's always funny talking about these things because it's uh reflecting on how i felt then and trying to to acknowledge that it's very different how i feel now you Mm -hmm. know like uh Especially with, like, my brother and sister, you know, I connected really well with my sister. She was a musician. Uh, she inspired me in a lot of ways. She played a lot of music, and, um, I pretty much, like, followed her around. (laughs) Like, whatever music she liked, I liked. She got into snowboarding, I got into skiing, and, you know, she was playing in music and with musicians all the time. So I kind of just, like, shadowed her a lot. But then, she was older than me by quite a bit. She's about eight years older than me. So when she left uh, and my brother and I are still living at the house, I mean, I just had a, a hard time communicating with him. Like, I don't, looking back on it, I just remember, like, we would fight and, like, I would do stupid things. Like, I'd forget my keys because I would be more forgetful than other people in the family or are less clean and responsible with, with things. So I'd, like, forget my keys, come home and it would be like i'm locked out and he's inside and it's like well you're just going to stay out there <laughs> you know and wow. and it's like it it feels like oh man that's mean but at the same time i also you know like i'm sure i wasn't always super nice to him either you know like i i was rude to him and i think judgmental of a lot of his behaviors and stuff cuz we just didn't share a lot of interests and and then there was this thing of like my dad and my brother You know, like they did Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts together. My mom was working and my sister was kind of older. So it was also this thing of like, I was a skateboarding, like, musician who didn't really like to do his homework and didn't clean up too well after himself. It's just like the odd one out, you know, Mm -hmm. like I didn't have a lot of shared, there wasn't a lot of things that I could share with my family at the time. And I'm not sure if that was just because I was being resistant to it or I just felt Alienated like a lot of teenagers do, but you know, my sister and my brother, I think now it's really interesting because like after I met my birth parents and moved to Hawaii, it it changed so much of our relationship. Like my brother calls me on the phone to check in and see how I'm doing. And I just taught his daughter, my niece, an ukulele lesson online today. And like (laughs) he says that he loves me, you know, and like it blows my mind because that's not how I felt our relationship was when I was growing up, you know, it felt really hard. It felt really distant. It felt very, like angry and we weren't like physical people. We weren't fighting like physically. We just like distance ourselves from each other or like not talk, just not acknowledge each other's existence. Yeah. And I think part of it also is that with the adoption thing is that I didn't really know much about myself. Like I didn't, I wasn't from Hawaii the same way that my brother and sister were. They were into their teens, whereas I was only six when we left. So it's just the cultural differences growing up in Hawaii also made it hard for us, I think. You know, I just like grew up in Washington and, and it's a very different society over there. So some of that ability to communicate with each other, I think was, was really tested at times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, some of it sounds like classic brotherly battles, and then some of it does definitely sound like very incongruent interests and you know different perspectives. Partially because, like, yeah. he and he and your father were into the same stuff, and you were just not, and that's natural, you know.
0: That's so real, man. <laughs> and it's really funny now because. I have learned so much more about Hawaii and, uh, like, what it means to be from here and what it means to grow up here and be culturally from here, having lived here now just for, like, the last couple years, that now I can connect with it. Like, now I find stuff where I'm like, oh, I like this Hawaiian music. And he's like, I like that Hawaiian music, too. And I was like, dude, I never was into it growing up, you know? Mm -hmm. He was always listening to Hawaiian music, and I wasn't into it, but now I get it. So we actually, like... You know, send photos of when we go to concerts and stuff. And it's really interesting how Hawaii specifically tie, has been tying my family back together. You know, like, every all these, like, shredded relationships that I think I had growing up were starting to, like, mend those wounds through understanding this place.
1: Isaac was a sensitive kid, touchy-feely, enjoying tactile interactions with the world around him. He loved meeting new people and he was an emotional dude, sometimes shedding tears. His parents on the other hand are different. Isaac said they're loving in their actions, but not necessarily as much in the way they express themselves.
0: I still struggle to like sometimes get hugs when I when I really want them. <laughs> yeah. But now you know what I mean? So I think we just had these communication issues where like I was feeling something, you know. I was having a feeling And I didn't know how to explain it. I didn't know how to say, like, this is why I'm upset because it wasn't like a logical thing. It's just an emotion that's overwhelming me. So then they wouldn't know how to talk to me because they need they need to know. Like, that's the amazing thing about my parents. It's like, what's the problem? Let's fix it. You know, Mm -hmm. they're very like, what do you need to fix the problem? Because that's what we want to do. We want to help you to fix the problem. But I was so emotional and kind of confused. I was like, I don't know what the problem is. I don't feel good. Blah blah. You know? Mm. So so we just struggled with that constantly. Like just never able to really find a way for me to express what I was feeling and that I didn't need something to be done. I needed something to be felt and understood. And I think that caused us to You know, eventually I just sort of felt like I was kind of raising myself, like taking care of myself. I would, you know, go out after school and like skateboard until late into the night and just kind of take watch out for myself. But then they were always there to catch me when things would go really bad. Like if I got really hurt, they would take me to the hospital. If I needed to go to rehearsal for music, they would take me to rehearsal. If I needed an instrument, they would provide that for me you know like they always provided a lot of like really practical tools and a safe environment with like food on the table and my own room you know it was like uh I think that was the thing is like they provided for me all of the things and all of the structure but I struggled with like not being able to communicate and understand my emotional self and ex- and find ways of really like embracing that with them.
1: In 2014, Isaac remembers asking his parents if they had any adoption paperwork. They had a file with some rudimentary information, but it was the first time he had seen anything about his birth parents. The file told Isaac their ages when he was conceived, had his birth certificate inside, and detailed some of their interests. Isaac's birth mother was an artist and a musician. His birth father was a radio DJ. And
0: it just blew my mind like how much i reacted to it you know it like i didn't expect that i was going to actually like react to it in the way that i did but it's just like i all of a sudden all these emotions and like these feelings and these overwhelming thoughts about like oh my gosh she was only 22 when she had me and and this was a thing and they you know he's hawaiian and and caucasian and she's filipino and like all these all, you know, every little bit of information speaks like so much volumes that I wasn't expecting. Like just those little tidbits, like really, really ignited a lot of questions. So mm-hmm. then, uh, in 2015, I was playing full time as a, a bass player up in Seattle, and I got into a band, and they just so happened to be from Maui, and I was like. Oh, that's cool. You know, I didn't think too much about it. And then they're like, hey, we're going to be playing uh, a New Year's gig on Maui. Do you want to come and play? And I was like, sure. So we I went over. It was I'd maybe only been back to Hawaii a handful of times. Um But this time I took that folder of paperwork with me.
1: While Isaac was on Maui, he looked up adoption agencies in the area. His search brought back the organization Hawaii International Child. Isaac gave them a call where he learned one of their services is adoption reunifications. They asked him to take pictures of the paperwork he was carrying and send it over. Just weeks after being in Maui for the New Year's Eve gig, Isaac received an important phone call.
0: I was about to go on stage at a gig, and I get this call from Christine Altwies, who's the, the head over there, and she's like, Hey, so, we found your dad, <laughs> wow. and do you want to talk to him on the phone? And I was like, like right now? <laughs> 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 you know? And she's like, well, yeah. And I was like, oh, well, uh, I gotta go, I gotta go play a gig. Like, I'm about to go on stage. I can't really talk, but I want, yeah, I want to, you know? Can I like call him back? <laughs> or, or can I call him? <laughs> you know? So. We set up a time to talk on the phone and that was awesome. It was our first time talking on the phone and it was just wild, man, to hear his voice. But yeah, so from the time I thought about it in like 2014, I mean, I, I suppose I maybe have had questions before then, but I don't, I don't remember taking any active steps to Mm -hmm. really learn anything until 2014. So then. 2014, get the paperwork. 2015, make the call and send out the info. In 2016, just like a few weeks later, uh, they find Tommy, my birth father, and then in April, on my birth, on my 29th birthday of April 2016, I, I met Tommy for the first time.
1: Wow, that's really crazy. Take yeah. me back to, so you've. You've got, first of all, it's awesome that this coincidence of joining this band that is Hawaiian and happens to go back there to the island. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean,
1: if you hadn't joined them, like you might have stretched out this search for years. You have have no idea. So it's so cool that they were going back there. Um, but you know, tell me a little bit about (laughs) one. How did this gig go with your, in the back of your mind, like you just got the news (laughs) that your birth father was, could have been on the phone with you before you even went on stage. That is crazy.
0: That's hilarious. That's funny, man. Yeah. I went out and I remember, it was a, it was like a house show, I think. And I remember just being like, Hey guys. So I think my birth father just called me (laughs) And and then everybody's like. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think it yeah. took a second because they're like, what do you mean your birth father? Like, your dad? Is that what you call him? That's a weird thing to call your dad. <laughs> right, I'm like, right. no, like, cause you know, I'm like adopted and like, there's this other human being out there and they're like, oh my, oh my God. Wait, you didn't take the call? I was like, no, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like, what are you supposed to do, man? And it was also really funny because when I talked to Tommy about it, Lynn, Tommy's been a radio DJ for a really long time in Hawaii and uh you know he's MC'd, he hosts shows, he's worked with a lot of musicians so when Christine called him back and was like "Oh sorry, he's got a gig." He was actually like "Oh that's awesome." You know. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh that's great. Like I can't believe he's a he's a musician? You yeah. know, he like he actually gigs and does music like that's great. Yeah. So it it that's... was a weird it was a weird, like, misconnection that actually ended up bringing us way closer together.
1: <laughs> That's really awesome. I can imagine how he must have geeked out on that. I'm just imagining the the parallels. Like, if your road. dad, your birth father is, like, this awesome mechanic, and you call right before the Indy 500, and, you know, like, I can't right. take the call. Or right. Race right. Start, no, I'm about I mean? to go hit the road, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's really For amazing. Real. That's real.
1: super cool. In between the gig... And the eventual phone call where Isaac and Tommy finally spoke for the first time, Isaac can't remember how he felt. Things happened so fast, there was no time to think. What was probably a week between the gig and the first call felt like a day. When that first call happened, Isaac was with Christine of Hawaii International Child.
0: She actually taped our first phone call.
1: Oh, wow. Wow.
0: Yeah, so I have a recording of it, you know what I mean? And it's like... We filmed the first time that I ever met my birth father. We filmed the first time I meet my birth mom. Like we just I I'm really grateful because it was happening so fast that I think I have to go back and like listen to those things or remind myself like this actually happened, you know?
1: (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. What an awesome thing to have a recording of that first conversation. That's just wow that's that's a rarity. Yeah. A lot of people record the first meeting, but the first conversation isn't something that people typically have the technology or forethought to do. So yeah. that's super cool. Wow, amazing.
0: It is, man. And I, I think about it all the time because yeah, like if I wanted to, you know, like, like try and remind myself like how what it was really like, I don't have to think, I can just go grab the thing and like I listen to it you know, I've only maybe listened to it once or twice since then, but just knowing it's there and I'm sure there'll come another time where it'll be like, I'll, maybe I'll put some music to it or something. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. That would be cool.
0: That'd be real cool. <laughs> yeah. So
1: what do you remember about that first conversation with him? How did it go?
0: I think the thing that was really fascinating was that it was really casual. Like it was like as if. We'd talked before, you know, and some some small talk. There was like some things about just like, oh, so how was your gig? Like, oh, it was good. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. What about what about you? He's like, oh, I got you know, I'm hosting an MC thing. I was like, oh, cool. (laughs) You know, I think something that came up for us was trying to figure out how to talk about some of the more emotional and difficult things because mm-hmm. at the time i just was so excited you know yeah i was so excited and he was so excited and i'm even realizing like how rare that is too to find like a birth father who's willing and excited to reconnect that i just you know i was like this is great it's just how it's supposed to be and um i do remember uh, learning little things about was he given the option to keep me and things like that and was it the best thing and the circumstances around him and my birth mom's relationship and the complications around that but I don't think it ever got to a very heavy place which I I kind of enjoyed for that first bit you know it's kind of like getting to know somebody new you actually just ease into it a little bit and yeah. just enjoy the fact that you've got a chance to talk
1: tommy and isaac spoke for the first time in january their first meeting was a few months later in april isaac set up a gofundme to help raise the money necessary to buy the airfare to go from washington state home to hawaii his community rallied around him helping him to fly home luckily he didn't have any musical gigs scheduled so it was easy to make the trip some of isaac's friends who lived in honolulu picked him up from the airport and offered to drive him to the meeting. Hawaii International Child arranged for an office location for the pair to reconnect, and the timing of everything seemed to be working out perfectly.
0: And then they were like, you know, what if we do it on your birthday, you know, wow. on April 27th? Like, and I was like, that would be great. How freaking cool is that? You know what I mean? <laughs> like... It's like a reverse birthday, you know? <laughs> like <laughs> instead of just being born again, you get parents, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah.
1: You get parents. That's really cute. Yeah. That's really cool. Oh, uh, was great. Well, that's cool, man. Did you um I saw in the video that you got to play your ukulele for him?
0: Yeah, uh that was gnarly. I think you know, I, it was all the excitement and all like the fun and then like when we actually met, it was really cool, but there was a very like poignant moment where it really registered to me who this person was. You know, like he's really fun and he's he's like a very public person. And he's super extroverted. So we just like, you know, we're laughing and, and, and having a good time. And then I like, I like had to take a breath and be like, okay, actually, right before I went to Hawaii for the reunification stuff, um, these songs started coming up. I was like sitting in, I'd just be sitting around in my van and I cranked out like a, a couple of songs about family and about, you know, what that feels like. And I was like, man, I wrote this song about family. I think I should play it for him when we first meet, you know? And it's like something about this feels like home, something about you I already know, something about this tells me that we're family. You know, that's like the first verse. And it was like, it's going to convey more of how I feel then I'm going to be able to because otherwise I'm just going to like be cool. You know, I'm going to try and just talk shop and enjoy it. Whereas like, I really want to try and communicate how this feels. So yeah. And dude, if you, there's, um there's some footage that I've got and I'm playing the song for him and the, the first verse comes around at the, at the end. So it's, the I sing through the whole song and he's sitting there. I'm trying like not to look at him because I know I'm gonna crack, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I know I'm just gonna break. And uh but then I get to the very last lines and it's a repetition of the first lines and he sings along with me. He sings like the last couple of lines like in harmony with me. And it just like, you know, I'm wrecked, man. It just like blew my mind uh
1: God I would have absolutely <laughs> burst into tears, jeez,
0: yeah yeah i I couldn't you know, and I've watched Shit. it now, and it still gets me where it's like he just I'd never played that song for anyone before, or maybe I'd play it for close friends, but like he it's not like he'd heard it before, and yet at the very end he picks up on it he's he knows me that he sings the line just like right in the perfect spot with me and that was it, man. Like that's that cinches it, right? Yeah, that's
1: that's incredible because it's a signal too to your connection. This is a DJ, a music guy, a public figure. Yeah. Uh, you know, someone who connects with people. And yeah, he knew exactly where you were going, and y'all lock stepped through the rest of your song. And that's an, if he wasn't yep. a music person, that might not have happened. And so it therefore speaks to yep. a deeper connection that the two of you have. That that is. A, undeniable and it's really amazing wow
0: that's absolutely uh, yeah yeah
1: after the formal introduction to each other a friend of isaac's was playing a gig as part of a jazz trio there in honolulu tommy agreed to check out the show with isaac that same night the fellas went home chilled a bit and changed clothes for the night then met back up to roll out to the show together Along the way, they had a little fun when they got lost trying to find the event, but they made it to the show.
0: My friend Alika, who is the bass player, he was like, or he's playing guitar. He's like, "Hey man, if you want to jump on and sit in on a song or something with us, you can." I was like, "Sure, that'd be great." So like, I I hop in. I'm sitting in and playing, and I'm like, "This is trippy, man. I'm I'm playing a live gig at a bar, and my birth father is here." to see me play you know what i mean yeah
1: man that's unreal
0: but then it it was so unreal and then like it was really strange and i don't know if i've ever told him this part of it and it connects to what happens the next day so i totally understand but something really interesting happened he got up when i was playing and he went outside and he was on the phone right and Mm -hmm. i was like Oh man, it's like the first time he's ever seen me play, and he just like leaves, you know. And I felt it. It was weird. It was like this strange, like hurt of feeling like this is such an incredibly special thing, but it's also maybe not as special to him or something You know, it's like and like this is just brain like running with it, yeah, right? Right. So just to be totally honest, I like kind of had a rough time after that. Like that night I probably ended up drinking more than I was intending to at the time, Mm -hmm. you know, and it became a very different kind of experience. It was like so casual that it almost felt not meaningless, but you know what I mean? It just had a different quality to it. And then like, I'd love to explain, like, what happens the next day because it totally shifted my entire perspective on what happened. (laughs) Yeah, sure, sure. (laughs) Because basically, Christine calls me the next morning and I'm just, like, not feeling super great. Uh, And she's like, hey, can you come back to the office? We want to shoot a video of you playing that song and recording that song. It's like, yeah, sure, I can do that, you know? So I come back to the office and they have this camera set up and I'm like, all right, cool. So singing, playing the song, you know, it was great. And I was like, thanks. She's like, well, you should sit down because we have something that we need to talk to you about. And I was like, okay. So she's like, well, what, what would, what would you, is something like, what would you like me to say or what would make this trip even more meaningful or something like that, you know? And I just, like, felt it. I could feel it, in, and, like, I see it click in my mind when I watch the video back. It's like I knew that they had found my birth mom. Mm-hmm. You know, and she was just like, your birth mom is here. She's in the building. We didn't want to tell you. I called Tommy last night, which was the phone call. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> it was the phone call. He's like, I called Tommy last night to tell him that she's here and we discussed that we would surprise you. Oh, and I was my like, gosh. oh, of course, I'm such, oh man, I'm such an asshole. Like, of course, oh, I gotta sorry. like assume the worst and look at it some horrible way when they're just like trying to coordinate some, you know, this really crazy thing. Yeah. Um. But dude, here's the craziest part. All right, and I I tried to still tell this story because like I I still like it still blows my mind. Okay, so what happened was on the day that I met Tommy, Hawaii International Child had asked King 5 News for they told the news station that we were going to be reuniting. So they brought this guy Chris Tanaka and the and the news crew over to like film us reuniting. Right? As a news, like a short news story that they wanted to air that afternoon,, mm-hmm. and so they interviewed us a little bit, they shot the thing, and they were super nice and really cool and you know, Tommy and I are both used to being in like public places, so we were okay being filmed doing such a like kind of like emotional thing mm-hmm. and to like a bar later that night, and we saw it on the news, right? They played it on the news that afternoon, and um on Kauai. Uh my birth grandmother was watching the news. And it says, you know, adopted son reunites with birth father or something. And she's like, oh, that sounds interesting. And then I think either she saw me or she heard my name, and she knew uh, my name was is Isaac, and she recognized Tommy. So my birth grandmother gets on the phone and she calls my birth mom and is like, Jay, Jay, I think your son's on TV. (laughs) Holy mackerel. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Christine, the lady at HIC, has actually managed to find Chandra, my birth mom, via like Facebook or some backward thing Mm. where she ended up getting her work phone number. So she's on the phone with her. Right at that exact same moment, being like, Your uh your son Isaac is on Oahu. He's here if you he's open to meeting you if you want to meet him and and so she, my half sister Shayna and my uh birth grandmother all get on a plane and they fly to Oahu the next day.
1: Shut and up. So you're there. telling me the news crew shows up, films you meet in your birth father, and your biological, your maternal Biological grandmother sees it and calls her daughter at the yeah. same time that Christine is on the phone with her. Get out of here.
0: Are you serious? Yeah, dude. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. That, that is unbelievable. They're like, <laughs> I think she calls, and, wow. and like, I, I'm sure somebody in my family is going to be like, oh, you told it wrong. You know, like, there's some elements of the story that are still crazy because it's like, She calls and she's like, "I think Isaac's on TV." It's like, "Why would he be on TV?" Like, "What's he doing on the television?" What are you talking about? That
1: is bananas, man. So, where did they fly in from?
0: They flew over from Kauai over to Oahu. Okay, got you. It's like a yeah, it's like a forty-five minute flight. Wow,
1: that's unbelievable, man.
0: man. So you're so, then, so
1: you're sitting there. They've yeah. told you. They've asked you to sit down. I assume from the way you described your night, you had a bit of a hangover. So <laughs> you're. I don't know if I've told anybody that
0: part either. Man, that's, that's so
1: bad. <laughs> Shit. So you end up that's sitting funny. there, and and they've told you your birth mother's in the building, and it hits you. You can see it on film. What happens next for you guys? Yeah.
0: Oh man, like so she goes to, Christine goes to get her. She comes in and like that one was different. You know, was, it was really different. Like hugged each other and just instantly so much crying, like so much crying and so much this unexpressed feelings Mm -hmm. for like 29 years of unexpressed feelings that all this start coming to the surface and really just hemorrhaging, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like to the point where I, I we couldn't say anything, so luckily, uh, I had also written a song about mothers. And so I was like able to say, like, okay, well this is great because I have a song that I can play for you. And so <laughs> hmm. So I was able to just go into it and After the song was over, it made everything just breathe a little bit, you know? It's like music can help massage in a moment to where it can relax things, and it kind of eases the tensions. So I think it helped for me to express something to her. It helped for her to receive something from me. And that kind of mutual give and take, helps to bring people closer together, you know. Yeah. Cuz it's not like I'm coming in and just being like tell me what you did or, you know, tell me something, answer my questions. In some cases, like what I've heard, you know, a lot of people feel like and I I understand it's like it's your right to feel that way if that's how you're feeling, but I think I needed to do something where I wanted her to know that I wasn't resentful. Like, I wasn't angry. I was confused. And maybe some resentments and anger might surface later, but at that exact time, I didn't feel that way.
1: That's amazing. I mean, yeah, it's a great gift. And you're right. Music does get us through some really emotional times in our lives. And for you in the moment to have music that you have written for these moments for both parents. Right. Is, right. <laughs> I mean, yo, that yeah. is unbelievable. That's incredible. Because um, yeah. in essence, those songs are really for them, and they will never, ever, ever forget that moment, and that's really incredible. Wow. Immediately after the reunion, Isaac's natural birth mother, Chandra, his birth father, Tommy, and he sat down together. For the first time in 29 years since relinquishing Isaac, his birth parents were face-to-face. Christine sat down with the family to guide their conversation, helping them talk about the range of issues they might feel they need to discuss.
0: Which was great, and I thought it was really cool. And then seeing them have interaction and being able to like talk after all this time and then kind of being there uh, just to facilitate some of these reconnections was also really cool for me. You know, like, I, it felt like it brought a lot of people together, even though it was just, you know, for me, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like the residual connections that were made, you know, like these people reconnected, some other people reconnected to parts of themselves that have been seen, us, and the way that we reconnect inspired them in certain ways. I talked to a lot of uh, some other people that were there that day, and they're just like, we need to remind ourselves of, like, the humility that it takes to go through this process and if you do it with humility and with love and care and patience how well it can go yeah you know yeah because sometimes it goes wrong it can go bad and for a lot of people that's unfortunately the experience they have and like i i don't think i even knew that much about reunification so i wasn't thinking too much about how negatively it could go I didn't really think about, like, hey, maybe it's a super terrible idea to have a news crew film you when you meet your birth parents. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, what if this is horribly awful, you know? Um, I didn't think about it too much. And I think also I went in with the intention of having an openness to whatever was going to happen. You know, I didn't have a lot of expectations. And I think a part of that, too, was how fast it happened. You know, I didn't have two years to build up a bunch of thoughts and expectations and worry. It was like I asked the question and then three months, four months later, the answer is there.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's there's something to be said for the immediacy of some of these reunifications because it prevents you in many ways from getting too deep inside your head as you've alluded to and um and it also takes advantage of that immediate moment of everyone's receptivity right there if you go out too far in the timeline and, and you don't reunite as we've said people get inside their own heads and you have maybe one too many conversations where something sensitive yeah. comes out. Someone says something that wasn't intended the way it was received. Whatever the thing is, and yep. it in some way can tarnish what was potentially beautiful at the outset. It may be that that right. was going to come out anyway, but mm-hmm. if it comes out before that initial uh that initial sort of I, the only thing I can think of is like you, you, the bow being pulled off of the gift, right? If yeah, you know yeah, that something like that ugly is connection. inside, yeah, then right. and, yes. and it's it's damaging. and so I can appreciate what you're saying that you didn't have a chance to step back over examine or anything. You just dove in and just went for it, and that's how it, that's yeah. how well it went. Chandra was 22 when she and Tommy conceived Isaac. They weren't in a stable relationship at the time. They both had some things they were dealing with in their respective families, so at the time, adoption just seems like the best choice for Isaac, given their circumstances.
0: It is also really interesting because she was given some options of families to choose, and then considering the family that she did end up choosing, and that my adopted family wanted to um, wanted to adopt. A boy or a child from Hawaii, like they wanted to adopt a local baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just cemented some of the decision. And at least that's how it's kind of been conveyed to me that it felt good to know that I was going to a local family. You know, I wasn't like immediately getting like shipped really far away to some other foreign place or anything like that. Um, and I do. I do recall that there's been some conversations around whether or not uh, my birth father would have decided to have kept me if it was up to him, mm-hmm. but my birth mother decided against it, and I think we've all sort of come to understand that it was the right decision to make mm-hmm. despite it being very difficult for everyone involved, and that was that's a big part of what ended up happening. You know, after that initial meeting, kind of like what you were saying about, you know, it can be really damaging. Like when the truth starts to come out of, uh, or when all those painful feelings and those resentments and the issues in their own relationships start coming out, it can be really hurtful. But luckily we had that initial sort of joyous occasion of getting together and really seeing the good side of everything so that when we had to face some of those more complicated issues, we knew that we were coming from a loving place and trying to do it honestly. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about hurting anyone's feelings. It's not about being mean. It's about getting to the root of what was really going on.
1: Yeah, because that root is the one from which you have grown up and it's important for you to know that stuff and it's good that you had a solid right. foundation upon which to explore all of that so yeah. that's really fascinating well
0: and i definitely i credit my adopted parents for also being so supportive mm-hmm. you know they were so supportive of this entire process that i never felt like okay now that i've like unlocked this door with my birth family i've turned my back on my adopted family and and now I have to make a choice. You know, yeah. it wasn't like that. I think I wanted, it felt like, okay, we're all in this together. You know, yeah. and my adopted parents were were really present. So when I was having difficulties or not feeling um safe, they reminded me like, well, you know, we're here. And so do what you got to do. You know, make sure that you do what you got to do. But we're not abandoning you and you're not abandoning us. And we know that. And that oh, was yeah. really cool because it made for such a, a stable place to work through hard feelings. Like, and there was some hard feelings. Like, I definitely had some arguments with my birth parents. Uh, we've had some very difficult conversations around trying to sort out how to be real, not just like, Oh, it's all good. This is super cool. You know, like, no, like I feel. Like, there were some things that were really difficult for me to process. And now that we're reconnecting, I want to be able to talk about them. And kind of like what I was talking about earlier about the emotional support and that ability to be emotionally present. Mm-hmm. That's something that I feel it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, happening a lot. You know, like Tommy and Chandra both, I think, have a very emotional component to them. So lots of crying. Lots of hugging time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. My mom tells this story that, like, whenever she sees something, if she ever watches, like, a birthing scene on a movie or TV show, it used to make her cry because she would think about me. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's, that's hard, man.
1: I know. Can you imagine you how many help? movies have that joyous occasion yeah, as it's portrayed dude. in the movies? I mean, she would be bawling all the time. <laughs>
0: But then, yeah, that, that thing too of like being able to share certain things. Like when I, I was working at a recording studio and Tommy actually came up to Washington with his wife, Carolyn, to visit up there. And he came to the recording studio and he was like looking at the soundboard and like checking out the gear. I was like, this is trippy, man. Yeah. Like. No one from my family has ever come to like the recording studio with me. I don't, I mean, I probably should think about whether or not I ever actually invited them, right. but I think, you know what I mean? It's right, <laughs> like, gonna right. be my fault. But just that, that other thing of like, oh, you're actually here, you actually know what's going on, and we can actually talk about like the ins and outs of something that I've spent my lifetime trying to understand, and so have you. That's mm-hmm. crazy.
1: In his adoptive family, Isaac has an older brother and sister. In his maternal family, he has one sister. On his paternal side, he has another older brother and sister who have families of their own. Isaac tells the story of his relationship with his siblings and a mind-blowing connection between his families.
0: It was crazy. I, I, I'm probably going to tell the story slightly wrong, but Maya tells me that... Because I was wondering when they knew about me, or if they knew about me, you know? She told me that they knew about me because there was some adoption paperwork that ended up, I think, in one of Tommy's Bibles or something. And wow. they took it to church and the paperwork fell out. And she was like, what's this? <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, that's that's your brother. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I, I mean, I hope. My, have you ever heard this? I'm so sorry if I'm telling that story slightly wrong. Cause I think you only told it to me one time around the time when we first met. But I just remember it being one of those things where they've known about me for a very long time. They've always known about me and I didn't know any, I had no idea, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad to know them now. And then, um, Shana on my birth mom side, it's really, crazy cuz we live together. So like that's the other thing. I live on Kauai now and I live with my birth mom and my sister Shayna. Oh wow. Really? Yeah.
1: How did yeah. that come about?
0: <laughs> what uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. So So um I went back to Washington and I was kind of going about my business, but I just felt drawn, you know, um something that came up was that Tommy is Native Hawaiian mixed with some other things, but he's about 60% in. So that means I'm Native Hawaiian. And I didn't, I think I might have sort of knew that, but I didn't know what it really meant. And then coming to Hawaii and realizing that there's like an indigenous culture of people here that actually belong to this land. And I'm a part of that lineage is something that just kind of I've only been really understand or trying to understand in the last couple of years. I think it's was well, a dry a big driving force for me to decide that I wanted to move to Hawaii, but it's you know it's Hawaii' I've, yeah. If you ever been here you know it's it's expensive right and I wasn't really sure how I was going to do it. so then when an opportunity opened up, my birth mom said that there was a room for me if I wanted it, and Tommy's been open to having me come stay. And I had a ton of family from my adopted family side on Oahu and uh Kauai as well. So I was like, you know what? I'll just do it. Just move and get to know my birth mom, get to know my siblings, get to know my birth father, get to know. And, you know, that's the thing. I Sorry, I, I didn't mention about my relationship with my brother and my sister on my adopted family, Aaron and Leanne and like strengthen my relationships with my adopted family like by getting to know Hawaii and getting to know what it was like for all of them to live here and grow up here i've it's like strengthened my relationship with them so much hmm. you know now i like when they used to talk about going to Waimea Canyon or going out to Kapa'a, and like i didn't know what they were talking about and now i actually do so uh, it's just that's really, i kind of Bring it all back to you know the land and a place like Hawaii and how it really because it's an island you know it's like community is everything. Dude, can I I gotta tell you this one crazy story? Sure, go ahead. So my my birth parents and my adopted parents all came together to meet. We all got together to meet on Oahu. I think it was 2018. And so all four of them are there. They come in and just start talking and sharing stories, you know, about living on Oahu and who knows who and then I don't even know how it comes up but Tommy starts talking about his biological family because he was also what we call Hanai. He was adopted but by a family that was connected to his biological family. So he was hanai into this other family but his biological family lived on Oahu in a place called Red Hill Mm. and He's talking about his siblings and he says, uh, oh, the the Colburns. And it's the last name. And then my adopted dad, Philip, he goes, Oh, like Marcus? You know? Sure. And then he's like, yeah? He's like, no no, way. Marcus Colburn. That's your, that's your family. And he's like, yeah. Like on Red Hill, my dad, my adopted dad, Phil, his family, they live next door to Tommy's biological family oh my god up, are you serious they grew up together my aunts my dad's sisters they hung out with tommy's biological brother and sisters like there's a photo of them all playing on a little hand cart that my dad built
1: shut up that yeah, is crazy
0: dude, that, it's like you grew up next door to the grandfather of the son that you're gonna adopt Oh my gosh!
1: That is unreal. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, nuts, right? Yo, that so, is
1: really trippy. Wow.
0: Yeah. So that kind of stuff, man, it happens in Hawaii. Like, there's connections. <laughs> Everybody's connected. So it it's been really fascinating and like crazy too. Yeah. You know, like, like okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there's a photo there's an actual photo of that because otherwise I would have a hard time believing it's real, you
1: know? Yeah. 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 God, that's unbelievable.
0: Jeez, dude, that's (laughs) unreal.
1: Wow. Damn, Isaac, this is incredible. I love, you know, I hear the joy in your voice as you describe your story and it sounds so happy and wonderful. I think it would be a mistake not to acknowledge some of the, challenging times. You've Mm. had some hard conversations. You've had some with your adopted parents as well as your biological parents. But, I mean, it sounds like, as you've said, you've done it all with, you know, humility, compassion. You sound like a sensitive dude who approached this as fast as it was coming at you, um, you know, with some measure of sort of taking it all into your heart as it came and not trying to judge it too much ahead of time. So, I think that's really fantastic, and I think you're super lucky for how this unfolded. And what amazing coincidences. That's so cool. Wow.
0: Yeah. Dang. (laughs) Yeah. Wow.
1: And now you live with your biological mother, and you get to experience that wonderful island. That's just amazing. Damn. Yeah. Congrats, man. All right, dude. Thanks so much for the call, man. I appreciate it. It was really good talking to you,
0: Isaac. Yeah, man. I really appreciate what you're doing, man. I, I just... I've been looking for more resources that help adopted people. And I really, um, really appreciate the work that you're doing.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much. And please feel free to share it with Christine and everybody at, uh, Hawaii international child and anybody else yep, out there. I'm on if it, man. Yeah. If you're, you know, involved with an adoption agency of some kind and someone who is in support of, you know, adoption reunions, definitely share the show. Take care, Isaac. All the best buddy.
0: All right. Aloha.
1: Later. Hey, it's me. The island of Hawaii is such a central part of Isaac's life and his adoption and reunion journey. He's the product of Hawaiian natives and was born there, was adopted there by Hawaiian people, and made his way back for his reunion and now lives there. I like what he said about the connection to Hawaii, healing old wounds, and of course, it's just incredible to hear that he's moved back and is living with his birth mother and sister. I heard notes of nature versus nurture in Isaac's story when he spoke of his love for music. So, of course, I'm going to leave you with a few of Isaac's own musical notes from the song he played for Tommy. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Isaac's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn, who am I, really? I think you already know the rest of what I would normally say, so I'll just let the song play.
0: Here's Isaac. Now, Dad, will you please tell me how to be a better man? Dad will you forgive me cause I'm doing the best that I can? I know you want me to figure it out on my own But when you hold me close I don't feel alone I know you've made mistakes And caused pain you can't forget But it's not too late So I'll ask again